All right, well, it is good to be here today. Are you guys excited? All right, listen, yeah. Hey, if you're, uh, as Reynolds mentioned, if you're visiting with us today, today is a bit of an unusual day. Um, we uh, have a, a very high value here. In fact, it drives everything we do at Crosspoint. We believe that um, we should spend the majority of our time, in fact, all of our time in the preaching and teaching uh, portion of the serv- service from the scriptures, and we don't start with ideas or concepts or thoughts and then, you know, kind of try and throw scripture in where, uh, par- where a- applicable. We start with scripture and preach all the way through scripture. We, a few weeks ago, started a series in the book of Colossians, and we've, uh, we're about midway through chapter one, but if you are on our email list, you know that um, we have some very exciting and important news to roll out to you today. So we're going to hit the pause button on our Colossians series, and we're going to do something a little unusual today. It's going to be kind of like, a, as Reynolds mentioned, a family meeting where we're going to talk about what we're going to be doing here in a few months as a church, and then we're going to end with scripture and respond to God. But before we do that, um, I do want to kind of update you on what's been going on in La Familia Evangelista, which uh, in English is the evangelist family, evangelista family. And we, um, we uh, ha- have had quite a hectic week, a great week, but we uh, moved out of our house on Friday. And so in a moment, um, I'm going to try and recite some, but not all of Colossians 1 to you, which I told you last week I would have the entire Colossians chapter 1 for you. And if I didn't have the whole chapter that you should have tomatoes and things to throw at me, so... Hopefully you will show me grace today, um, but um, I, I had a little trouble with the last few verses because um, we've had a, a very busy week, and, um, and uh, it, the Bible says in uh, Timothy, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes to a younger pastor, Timothy, and he says in both of his letters to them, but especially in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, he says that, uh, that when you pastor these people, you should open up your life to them and that they should be able to see your progress. And there's this strange little dynamic that's happened in the American church today and in kind of our church culture where pastors a lot of times are aloof and distant and they kind of descend from the clouds on Sunday morning, preach a sermon and then they float away and you're like, who's that cat? You know, he's got a suit and slicked back hair and he's a little weird and can't really relate to people, but he can preach, so I guess we should follow him. But really, that's not biblical. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a little carried away there. (laughs) But, you know, in the New Testament, we read about men who, who lived with people and they were imperfect and they were works in progress. They were crooked sticks that, that Jesus drew straight lines with. And um, a couple years ago, we had our fourth child, Abraham, and he is two years old. And um, uh, you know, being half Italian, um, you know, we weren't totally surprised by our fourth child. Um, we you know, kind of, I love big families, but um, we, uh, a couple years ago, I think we overreacted to our uh, need for space for a fourth child, and um, we bought a house, a beautiful home, but it was a little too much home for us, and, um, and I, God has chastened us and taught us a lesson these past couple years, because if we were to continue in this house, um, it would mean that Jennifer would have to continue to work, uh, and, and as I look back on my 15 years of marriage, I have not led well in that way, and so, um, so we put our house on the market, in an effort to downsize and to get into something that would allow uh, our family to free Jennifer up over the coming years to not have to work as much or if all at all if she doesn't want to. And so um, we put our house on the market and uh, we thought it would take about a year to sell in this market, but it sold in six weeks, which is great, which is great news. Yeah, no, but before you clap, we weren't really prepared to move that quickly. <laughs> and so we didn't have anywhere to go. Um, so this, uh, this uh, Friday, we closed on our house and we moved into um, uh, an apartment uh, in one of the Greystone apartments, beautiful place. It's a month-to-month lease, so as we look for a house, we can, we can get out of it um, within 30 days, but it's uh, about 1,500 square feet for six people. And so that's exciting, but um, just want to let you guys know that. Uh, and that's kind of my little pathetic excuse for not having all of Colossians 1. <laughs> no, no I, I went to the military academy in my freshman year at West Point. We learned four responses. This is all you could say your whole freshman year when you were getting hazed by an upperclassman. And it was, yes, sir, no, sir, no excuse, sir, or sir, I do not understand if you didn't understand what they're saying to you. And so the third one applies, no excuse. 
Um, but uh, let me give you what I got from Colossians chapter one. And if you do have rotten tomatoes, don't throw it away. I'm not just reciting this to um, see if I can do it, but it's good for me to get in, kind of get into the thought. So um, picture yourself as a first century Gentile who has received Christ from the witness of this man named Epaphras and who has um, brought the gospel to you and now you have received Christ. But now there's this teacher who's coming to the church and he's threatening the unity of the church and he's teaching doctrines that are leading you away from what you first understood about Jesus and how Jesus is supreme and full and sufficient. And you've heard about this sort of mythical heroic figure named the Apostle Paul who Epaphras was telling you about, about this great man of God that has blazing a trail for the gospel across the Roman Empire at threat of death and peril. And now he's in prison in Rome and he's written a letter to you. And life hangs in the balance. There's a knock on the door and somebody opens it and it's probably Epaphras and he has a scroll. And you're gathered there under the threat of potential Roman persecution and Epaphras reads this letter from the Apostle Paul. And it reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so since the day from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have, we have, Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the church he is the head of the body of the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you Continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope, the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became 
minister. I got six more verses to go. That's all I got. Yeah. All right, here's my public challenge to myself. I think the end of our Colossians series, the last Sunday, we'll just, we'll just um, recite that together. And if you want to join me in that um, and do some of it, we'll give you an opportunity to stand up and shout it out loud and proud. So, um, all right. Well, listen, as we mentioned, if you're here today, we have a special, um, a special piece of news to roll out to you, and we thought it would be appropriate to take the whole service, or most of it, to explain to you in very thorough detail so that you would be completely informed of what we are planning to do and why we're planning to do it and how we arrived at this point. And so um, I'm going to go through a series of questions, really, and answers that hopefully will help you um, understand the next phase of Crosspoint, and as Reynolds mentioned, we realize that whenever you get more than just a couple people together, and we've got a couple hundred people together, whenever you get some folks in the same room, there's going to be a million questions, and we want to lead as, um, as complete, in, a, in the most uh, above reproach and transparent way as we possibly can, so it wouldn't necessarily be appropriate for you to raise your hand today and ask a question, but um, we'll certainly be here after church, and, and then on Tuesday evening, we will answer any and all questions that you have, and then beyond that, if you can't make that, we want to make ourselves available to you to answer any and all questions that you have. As you leave the sanctuary today, we have typed up um, these kind of a question and answer um, detailed uh, sheet for you that you can take, and also we have a couple floor plans of this uh, space that you can see as you go out, so take your time to linger. I'm going to talk for a little while. I'm going to speak out of Second Corinthians in just a moment, and then we're going to respond to the Lord in worship. But before we do that, let me just pray and ask God to give us blessing. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the bride of Christ. Thank you for the letter to the Colossians that we are studying, and thank you, Lord, for these dear people that I, I love so much. And thank you for this beautiful building. And thank you for where you have brought us to at this particular place. And thank you for the gospel that is taking root in our lives. And as Paul writes, it's bearing fruit in us. And now, Lord, as we turn our attention to some administrative logistical business, I pray, God, that you would give us, as Paul prayed for the Colossians, spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we would understand you better and so that we would bear fruit for the kingdom and the gospel. Now give us great anticipation and eagerness and joy and unity as we share what lies before us. And I pray it in Jesus' great name, amen. About five years ago, in fact, this April 17th will be our five-year anniversary at Crosspoint, and we um, we have since that time been meeting in this building, and as most of you know, I was on staff at Evangel Temple in uh, town, and that church graciously allowed us and, 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 and helped us at the beginning to begin this work. Our thought at the time was to be kind of up north in the Harris County area, and, uh, and so Paul, one day Paul Fincher and I were driving around looking for a place to meet, and we heard about this place, and we got the keys and we opened it up, and um, we came in here and said, wow, this looks pretty cool. And Paul stood up on the, the stage, and I was in the back, and I was like, yeah, dude, I could see you playing the guitar up there. And we're like, all right, let's do it. And so that's pretty much how, <laughs> that was the wisdom that, um, that brought about us meeting in here. And as the church has grown over the past four and a half years or so, we have um, uh, realized and really from the outset that realized that this was a temporary situation for us, that, um, that we can only be in here on Sunday mornings and obviously as the church grows uh, that we needed a place that would be more permanent for us, that we could um, have as a hub of ministry that would be more appropriate for us in our children's space and um, that we could really do life together and have as a central location. And so for the past several years we've been looking for a location and at times during these past several years, it has been a long and frustrating process. We've gotten close on a couple things, and we've thought about buying new property or renting an existing building, and kind of been caught between these two thoughts about what we should do. And so um, we have 
determined, certainly, and I think that's been no secret, that we need a place, whether it is forever or whether it is for the next phase of the church, that we could locate and be in 24-7, where we would have enough space, a place that we could afford, a place that we could, we could uh, you know, do children's ministry and, and Bible studies and other things other than just on Sunday mornings. And we believe that God has graciously opened the door to us for that place. So and that's why we need to move. Now, I think maybe some of you know, uh, but maybe the big question you're wondering is, where is this building? And this building is located in town in the Harmony Place Shopping Center. It's right behind Stevie B's. It's the old Mansour's department store. Most recently, it has been the Zoo City Children's Entertainment Place. And it is a huge, huge 52,000 square foot empty department store conveniently located in the intersection there of Airport Thruway and Whitesville Road. And we've got a, a Google map that we'll show you just to give you an idea of kind of where this is. This, um, this is right here. This is Whitesville Road. By the way, that's Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> Owned and operated by our very own Bobby Ornowski. Also, I think it was the, one of the first dates for me and a young Miss Jennifer Ann Roberts, who would later become Miss Dr. Jennifer Evangelista. January 13th was the day, it was my birthday, and it was 1994, but I digress. Anyway, good stakes. So that's, that's Whitesville Road right there. That's Airport Thruway. Um, this is Stevie B's Pizza right here, and that's that new River City. You got Blockbuster, and this huge building right here is the former Mansour, Zoo City, and now future home of Cross Point. That's, uh, that's Hampton Inn, and there's a huge parking lot, tremendous amount of parking. Go to the next slide, and you'll see just, if you're not familiar with the building, this is the back of the building, and um, you can see this is just from the parking lot, kind of the vantage point from where we're looking at this is uh, kind of like Hampton Inn. You can go to the next slide, and it'll show you just another um, shot from kind of like right outside Blockbuster Video, some of you may have had birthday parties and kids stuff there. That's a Zoo City sign, which will, I don't know, I think we'll change that out. But, um, and then you can go to the next slide and just kind of another vantage point there. See, just to give you a reference point, there's uh, Blockbuster. And then there is um, the building. So it's a 5,200 square foot building um, that is wide open and that is uh, conveniently located. Why this building? Well, over the past couple of years, we have had, and, and we started out this search quite ignorantly. Um, we really had no idea what we were looking for. I remember about three or four years ago, um, we didn't know whether we wanted to rent a building or look for a piece of property, and, and so we were kind of looking for a piece of property. We had about $7 in the bank, and um, there was, we came across, I, got, I found this flyer where there was 19 acres of land off of River Road, and it was right off of River Road, and I think Keith Edwards and Justin Finney and I went to look at it, and I just fell in love with it. It was 19 acres, it was really, it was a great price, and I just thought this would be a great place for the church. The only problem was is that 17 of those 19 acres were a lake, and, um, <laughs> but I was undeterred. I was like, yeah, we could do it, and I think Justin or Heath said, well, like, could, are you planning on like doing church on a boat, or anyway. Um, <laughs> But over the course of time, as, we have, um, as we've grown and got a little bit wiser and older and more mature, we have realized that there are three factors that we've been looking for in a building. Um, one was that we would have enough square footage to, to um, house all of our ministries, not only what we do on Sunday mornings, but our children's ministry, have a place for our youth to gather midweek, and then also have a place where we could um, move our offices administratively. So square footage was a big deal. Then secondly, and we'll talk about the difference between renting and buying new property in a moment, but secondly, as we were looking for a rented facility, um, we needed something that we could afford on a monthly basis. And then we also needed, and this is the third factor, we needed something that if we were going to build out and renovate into a church, we needed it to be a building that was in good shape, that its systems were in good shape, like its air conditioning and electrical, and really all that you need to do is put walls and carpet and you know, outfit it for a church. And so those three factors, appropriate and enough square footage, monthly rent rate that would be favorable and affordable to us, and then uh, the ability to uh, not spend a whole, too much money on building it out. 
And as we looked at buildings, this building, in fact, and I'll talk about the buildings we looked at in a moment, along the way, one of those factors, or more than one, knocked every other potential building out of the running. And this building, by far and away, has has uh, come to us as very favorable on all three of those factors. Number one, it's 52,000 square feet, which is um, more than enough. In fact, we'll build out about 35 or 36, maybe 38 and about 30. We'll leave about 12,000 square feet unfinished that we can grow into if we need to. The monthly lease rate, although we will be paying on a monthly basis much more than we do right now, in fact, about twice as much as we do if you add the point and the schoolhouse and the new school cafeteria, if you add those together, our monthly rate will be twice what it has been. But we've done a thorough bu- budget analysis and we, uh, we are certain that we can afford it. But that lease rate for this square footage of space, the owners of the building are really knocking the floor out of the lease rate. In fact, they're charging us about 25% of market rate. So they're being incredibly generous to us. There's absolutely no way in any other circumstance where we could afford 52,000 square feet on a month-to-month basis. So it's incredibly generous. And we'll talk about this in a moment, what it's going to cost. But the building is in very good shape in the exterior and the systems. And so the build-out cost although it may seem like a lot of money, is actually far less, far less than any other building that we've encountered. So that's why this building is so, so favorable to us. Now, I'm sure that some of you may be asking, why are we moving, you know, this is about 15 miles south of where we are now. Um, we've been in Harris County up to this point, and now we're moving into town. And let me explain to you the, the reasoning and the logic behind why we're moving in basically in you know, kind of the heart of the hub of Columbus rather than looking for a place out here. When we began the church five years ago, we did feel like this was kind of where God was opening a door for us. And um, we, as I said, all the strategy that went behind Paul and I finding this building, and this has been a great location for us. As the church has grown, uh, a vast majority of the growth has come from Columbus and Harris County. In fact, now kind of the demographic of the regular attenders of Crosspoint is made up of about 80% of people that live in Columbus and Muskogee County versus Harris County. And so that's kind of caused us to be looking a little bit more towards Columbus, but really not out of just convenience for the people that are coming, really out of necessity. And we'll talk about the difference between renting and buying here in just a moment, but we've determined that renting for this next phase of the church was the wisest um, avenue. And as we've looked for rented or commercial empty space, there really is not, not any commercial space in the Harris County area that would be sufficient for us, it would be big enough, and it would meet those three factors that we mentioned before. And believe me, we have, we have looked. Now, there might be buildings available, but they weren't suitable for us or big enough for us, or they weren't something that we could be in 24-7. And so the combination of those two factors have led us to think that, well, you know, this is where God had us at this particular juncture, juncture for a time, and now for this next phase of the church, it's appropriate for us to move, move into town where we can get this building. And, and this, and we'll talk about this, this is very likely, in fact, we do not believe this is our final resting place and a place that we're going to be forever. And so we, we will continue to kind of look further north and wherever God may lead us. But wisdom and the circumstances have led us back into Columbus. Now to the question of why are we renting instead of buying a new piece of property? And as I mentioned, you know, I, we almost bought a, a lake, a 17-acre lake. That would have been awesome, by the way. It had good fishing, but um, maybe not good ministry. But Um, As we've been looking for a building or property, we've kind of been running this dual track. And as we have um, hired consultants and people to help us think through young churches um, and the space that they need and building out space, we have realized that for us just to duplicate the space that we have now in new construction would cost us at least three to four million dollars, probably more. Right now, we have just under a million dollars, maybe right at a million dollars put away in a money market account, which we've kind of called our property fund. And so we believe that if we were to try and buy a piece of property today, you know, that property would cost $600,000, $700,000 or so, but then we would have to just beat ourselves over the back to do a capital campaign, and we'd have to bring thermometers on the stage, and 
Then we'd have to, you know, do chicken dinners and secret meetings with rich people. And I just, I, look, that's not my, that's not my gig, you know. I mean, there's going to come a day that we're going to have to raise money for a building, but we're not going to be goofy and weird and manipulative. We're just not going to do that. And who our church is and this economic crisis, we just, we're just, look, we're not going to be all about a capital campaign. That's not who we are. And so we felt, hey, that may be in our future, but for us to get into that type of indebtedness is, I think, unwise at any juncture of the church, but it's certainly unwise now. And so wisdom has has taught us and showed us that it is most effective and best for ministry for us to, for the next phase of the church, rent. Now, of course, there are downsides to that because you think, well, we're going to be renovating a building that in five to six to seven years we may walk away from. And, we, and, and the first thought is, you know, because we are kind of have real estate minds, we think, oh, well, we're walking away from that equity that we put into that building that we're going to walk away from maybe in five years. And I understand that thought, and we have thought about that. But here's a thought that I want to put in your hearts, is that for a church, equity is not buildings. Equity is not our decor, our stuff, our seats, our projection screens, our children's ministry rooms. Equity is not bricks and mortar. Equity is the souls of people that we will be more able to effectively reach for the gospel for these next few years as we move to this place. And so, yes, we will very likely walk away from some of the things that we've built out, but we believe that it will be a strategic springboard for us as a church to grow spiritually, numerically, and financially so that we will be poised to do what God has for us next. So that's why we are uh, renting instead of buying a piece of property. Now, a question that you may have, and we have blow up, blown up floor plans in the foyer that you can see, and we'll post it all online, and we'll have it on Tuesday night, so if you don't catch this, you don't have time to look at it in the foyer on the way out, we will post this online. It will be very easy for you to look at and see. The question is, will there be enough ministry space for the youth and children? And that, that is a resounding yes. So you can put up the, the floor plan. Um, just to give you, I know it's kind of hard to orient yourself, but this is, um, this is the parking lot, the wide open parking lot, and then like Hampton Inn would be like right here. And then this is, this down here is kind of where Blockbuster is and that row of restaurants. And so most likely this will be the main entrance, this huge empty parking lot here will be the main entrance. That will be the main entrance into the uh, into the sink, into the church, and these yellow rooms here are our nursery, preschool, toddler, beginners, kids' church rooms. We have um, a couple, one or two extra rooms that we don't have here. And also, just to give you a sense, these rooms are almost not quite, but almost twice as large as the rooms are now. So there will be ample space. This kind of reddish burgundy area over here will be our office and administrative space a little kitchen, bar kind of cafe area, kids' church space, and this will be our sanctuary. We'll be at, at a minimum of these seats, and there, obviously you can see some room for growth. There's room for 500 um, seats. And then you see this gray area here, which is about 12 or 1,300 square feet. This is gonna be kind of unfinished, kind of warehousey type space that um, our youth will be able to use, but this will be more than enough space for us to grow into as we need. So if we needed to tack a couple extra kids' rooms on, we would have plenty of space. In fact, just to give you a sense, this unfinished 12,000 square feet, which we can grow into if we need to, is more than all of the space that we're operating on in here at the schoolhouse in all of the rooms. So um, this is a tremendous amount of space for us at an incredible rate. And um, there will be a lot of flex space. There will be rooms like the, there will be a room here and here that you, we can have Bible studies in. And of course the sanctuary, we won't, the seats will be movable. And then for fellowship dinners, this kind of this foyer area here, we will decorate well. And it'll be a, a, um, an excellent space for dinners and things like that. Where we can pull out tables. And just to give you a sense, although this is a foyer, that, is, that's a, that space right there is, is bigger than the point is our office location in town where we have dinners and lots of functions. So um, now this is not etched in stone and I'll tell you how we got this, uh, this plan, who advised us on this. But um, so when you look at it, you know, there'll be many suggestions that we'll have. 
but um, this is a great first start for us. So there's plenty of space. Now, a question that many of you or some of you may have is if you've been here from the beginning, you realize that I was on staff at Evangel Temple and they graciously allowed us and helped us uh, at the beginning to plant this church. And the initial vision there was for us to be um, out here and now we're kind of moving really very close to them. And so you may be wondering, well, what about the proximity of Evangel Temple? I mean, are they okay with that? And although um, it's less than ideal as far as proximity is concerned and we realize that that is a big change from five years ago where we thought we would be, we went to our leadership, went to the leadership of Evangel Temple, the board of Evangel Temple. In fact, this was about a week, a half, week and a half ago when we were pretty certain that the lease was going to get signed and the owners were going to agree to our terms. And before we did that, we went to the board of Evangel Temple and met with those brothers and I um, shared our heart and told them about our space problems, which we'll talk about a little bit thoroughly here in a second. And I told them that um, really we're just kind of butting up against the ceiling. In fact, something I didn't mention earlier is, is that our elementary age kids have been meeting in the new Mountain Hill Schoolhouse. All those kids that left the building, about 40 kids or so, they've been meeting in the new Mountain Hill School cafeteria. These two buildings, the building we're in right now and the new Mountain Hill School are operated by two different people. This is operated by the Harris County Board of Education and the old Mountain Hill School Foundation. And then that building is obviously operated by that principal and that faculty there. And at the end of this school year, they have told us very graciously, they've been very kind to us, but they said, hey, this has been kind of a temporary thing for us. And so at the end of May, we're not going to be able to use the new Mountain Hill School cafeteria anymore. And so we would have all of our elementary age kids displaced and either in here with us or in the hallway or on the front lawn or maybe hanging on the chain link fence or something. But, um, but and then in addition to that, obviously the sanctuary is uh, almost to capacity and even, um, even if it's not to capacity, these chairs were made for fourth graders and so two grown men really wouldn't sit next to each other. So it's, it's, um, we're kind of butting up against the ceiling space-wise. We explained this to the brothers at Evangel Temple, told them that we realized that um, the proximity is not ideal, but we asked for their understanding and their blessing and said that we believe this is uh, about a five-year stop for us, for us to, to gain growth and momentum and stability and do ministry, then to launch us to what God would have for us next in, in the terms of a permanent piece of land. That day by the way, came at the end of our 10-day Daniel fast where we were praying for God to bless us as a church. And that evening, before we went to that board meeting, we met in Reynolds' basement with some folks from the church that joined with us for a prayer meeting that night. And we just asked God to give us favor. favor. And as we went to those brothers, all of whom I know very well, who have been um, big brothers in the gospel to me, they graciously gave us their blessing and understanding. And so um, we feel very good about, about our relationship with them. So um, the next question that may come up to you is, what is the process that has led us to this building? Well, for the past several years, we have informally but consistently been looking for another place. And what we did about 18 months or two years ago, we kind of formed a little bit more of a formal property search team. And this property search team would gather together to evaluate properties as they became available. But of that property search team, which was about 12 or 15 men, there were two in particular that kind of led the effort that along with Reynolds and I would, in a more intentional way, look at each individual piece of property and looked at a million different things. And um, the leader, the leaders of, those, of that team it has been David Blanchard and Dykes Blackman, and I cannot tell you the hard work behind the scenes and the countless hours that these two men have put into analyzing um, dozens of pieces of property and buildings and have led this search, and um, these two men owe, we owe these two men a tremendous debt of gratitude, and I just want us to give them a round of applause, yes. They wrote into the contract when we, uh, that they were you know, going to take a cruise in the Bahamas after we found a building. Actually, no, kidding. We didn't sign a contract with them. But um, just a tremendous amount of work that um, they have put into this. And they certainly um, are, can answer many of your questions as well. 
So the question now is now how are we going to do this? How are we going to actually build out this space? About three years ago when we got the point, um, we had kind of a home job. We did it ourselves. We remember we pulled up that carpet and we framed out the walls. Um, we dabbled with the thought of we've got a lot of talented carpenter type men in the church and we dabbled with the thought of, well, maybe we can do this. But once we went in the building a few times, 52,000 square feet, we really want you to keep coming to the church. And um, that would have been a lot of weekends. And I think we would have ran some of y'all off. And so we realized that we needed to outsource this um, to professionals that do this for a living. About six months ago, we hired as a consultant to our church uh, architect in Atlanta who specializes in church building projects. And that company is called CDH, and it's led by a, a man named Bill Chegwidden. He's the president and founder of the company, and Bill has been coming down many times over the past six months advising us. And those architectural renderings that you saw on the screen that you'll see in the foyer were done by Bill. He's been down, looked at the building, and has been advising us along the way, helping us to analyze rent versus buy, helping us look at various different properties. And then also, he's an architect, so he, he gives you the plans and gives you the vision, but he doesn't actually, his company doesn't actually do the work. During this process as well, we've had a friend who has been close to many of the guys in the church and has been a friend of the church for several years. His name is John Teeples. He is a general contractor here in the area. And over the past two or three years, as we've looked at buildings, John has gone along with us. In fact, John sort of specializes in commercial refitting, and he's gone and looked at numerous other buildings with us. And John has been kind of involved from the ground floor in our looking at a building. And so um, John began to work with this architect, and they've together consulted and given us an estimation of what the price would be and worked on the plans. And so we've kind of gone so far along with John, and he's a dear brother, and he has um, basically incredibly, in an incredible act of generosity, just kind of offered to general contract this project for us basically at cost and just a little above that, which is really an unbelievable deal. By the way, for the past two or three years of us taking him to all these different projects, we haven't paid him a dime for that either, just out of the generosity of his heart. And so we feel that we've got a great team that this architect and then our local builder are going to spearhead this project for us and do the contracting and the work to build it out. So that's how we're going to do that. Now, now the question that may have been on your mind from the beginning is how much is this going to cost? We have about a million dollars in our money market account that we've just been putting away from the beginning of the church. Haven't really, again, no thermometers on the stage, no beating anybody over the head, no chicken dinners. We've just been putting money away. And by God's grace, we have uh, about a million dollars put away. The architect and the builder um, have been as frugal and as absolutely, you know, kind of just as functional and as humble as we can possibly be. And they have estimated that the cost is you not only the build out, but audiovisual, new furniture and, and fixtures and things like that. It's probably going to cost us between six hundred and fifty and seven hundred thousand dollars to build this out. And much of that, some of that, especially all the equipment and the chairs and things like that, we'll get to take with us wherever we go. Probably about 500 of that is stuff that's just walls and carpet and things that stay with the building. And then the other 200,000 or so is stuff that we'll be able to reuse wherever we go. So we think it's going to cost around $700,000. And of course, by God's grace, we have that in our, our budget. How long will this take? John and, uh, and the architect think it's going to take about four to five months. And so we plan to begin work uh, as soon as possible after we answer all of your questions and then if we, as we get permits. And so we're probably looking at the July time frame. So um, this summer will be kind of the, the time when we move into it. Um, we'll test out those air conditioners. They're brand new, not brand new, but they're relatively new. And so we're going to be into it, into this building, Lord willing, by this summer. A couple more questions, and then I want to share with you out of 2 Corinthians. What's our philosophy about how to build this space out? And I want you guys to hear my heart on this. We want to do this with, with excellence, but not with extravagance. The American church is diseased with an addiction to comfort. And we want to make this a safe and attractive and very functional place for us to do ministry. But we're not going to blow money on comfort and convenience just for us. 
But we also realize that environments can help advance the gospel and make us more effective. And so we're going to combine two principles that I think go together well. One is humility, frugality, and functionality, and, and not be extravagant in any way. But we're also going to do our best to, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, do whatever it takes to preach the gospel to the Jew and to the Greek and the Gentile so that by some means we might save some. So we're going to be missional and try to contextualize and try to do everything in an excellent way but in a frugal, functional, and humble way. And so that's our philosophy of how we're going to decorate this space. We want to make it excellent and attractive and appealing but not extravagant. Will we still have need of the point? No. Um, we'll be shutting down the point when we move into this place. Our office space will be housed completely in there. Um, I know that space has been special to you. And um, for those of you that pulled up the carpet there in that back right corner and then had a sore back for about six months, we can go have a little candlelight vigil over that one little spot. But we'll be moving out of the point. Is this going to be our permanent home? Um, no, we don't think it will be our permanent home. We think this is a bridge a five-year, six-year bridge to what God has for us next. This is the next phase of Crosspoint so that we might be able to do life, do ministry, advance the gospel, preach Jesus, grow the church, whatever that looks like, plant other churches if that be the Lord's will, and then be in a place where we will be able to sink down roots, maybe buy a piece of property or buy another building where it can be ours and we can call our home and we can do life together. And one of the great things about this place is that although $500,000, dollars $700,000 sounds like a lot of money compared to any other building that we've looked at or compared to putting three or four million dollars that we don't have right now, this building allows us to get into a place to grow the church, to advance the gospel so that we can continue to look. And maybe if in a year from now or six months from now or three years from now, as we grow the church, a piece of land becomes available that we believe God has for us, we will be poised to buy it and knock that debt out and and maybe put a thermometer up on the stage with the paper mache red, you know, and the tick marks. But we will, we will be in a place to where we can, we can still look for the permanent home of Crosspoint. So that we, we don't believe this is a permanent home, but we're going we're gonna to sink our, 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 our roots and our heart and our mind and our souls into this place for the next half decade or so. And give it all that we have as we continue to look for what God has next for us. So last question, and then let me share my heart with you. What can you do? The first thing that you can do is pray. We are naive if we think that an advanced group of people that are stepping out and doing something for the kingdom of God will not be opposed. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, and 10 says that our adversary, the devil, prowls about like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Young husband, the moment that you start canceling movie channels and getting your heart straight and reading the scriptures, you will be opposed. Life will get hard. Young lady, the moment that you start walking in integrity and purity and saying no to that hairy-legged punk who wants to put his hands on you and you walk like God wants you to walk and you live the way God wants you to live, you will be opposed young family that makes a decision about where to put your kid in school because you think it's the right thing for you to do, you will be socially opposed. Church, you step out and you put a lease on a building and you build it out so that you might advance the gospel. Young preacher, if you think you can get up on a stage, even in the Bible Belt, and just proclaim Jesus freely and speak about the that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him. If you think you can do that and roll that out and everybody's gonna blow bubbles at you and let, let little doves go out in your parking lot and throw rice on you, 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 think, you think everybody's gonna sing kumbaya out of that? There are spiritual forces of wickedness that are set for our destruction. This will be opposed. And sometimes it may even be opposed by people among us. 
and there's confusion and there's People don't like change, and I understand that, and that's why we're going to explain everything to you, and, and we realize that in a room of people with this many folks, there may be differing opinion, opinions, but we plead with you. In just a second, I'm going to hopefully plead with you out of the scriptures as to why we need to do this. This will be hard. It won't be cozy. There won't be a beautiful tree out front. Our, our, it's gonna be, there's going to be new people. The... The, the little foyer, the little quaint, cozy, homey feel that we have will evaporate maybe the first Sunday. And at that point, it's going to kind of jostle us a little bit. And we're going to wonder, are we in this for the advance of the kingdom or for our own little crew? And it will challenge us. It will challenge us. I can't wait for that. So pray. Prepare your heart for change. This will be different. And I think it'll be a good change. Third thing you can do is contribute. There have been people that maybe call Crosspoint home and you're kind of on the sidelines a little bit and look, we need you. We need you to get into the game. There's going to be new folks coming. We're going to be right smack dab in the middle of the population center. There'll be people. We'll just get more just drive-by traffic. And we need people to kind of get in the game and help with children's ministry, help with be part of a life point group, lead a life point group, make your life together as a church family a priority in your life. Contribute. We need you to give. Our operating costs are gonna increase significantly and we don't spend much time at all here beating you over the head, probably to your detriment because Jesus talks more about money than he does heaven and hell in the New Testament. But we need you to give. If you've been blessed, we need you to give. But here's the real reason why I want us to do this and why we believe God has opened this for us. The past five years, we've been setting up chairs and packing them in a room. And when we've had important meetings, we've had to meet in small spaces and not been able to offer child care. And we've had to meet in homes and in basements and there can be a push right now for us to exhale and say, oh, whew, we don't, well, this is going to be great because the seats won't be wooden and the worship team won't have to get here at zero dark 30 in the morning and there won't be um, uh, dust bunnies attacking my ankles and maybe even black widows crawling in my socks, right? Don't, don't look. Um, <laughs> And, you know, there won't be, sometimes the, the, the AC or the heater won't work. And, oh, this will be great because it'll be easier for us. If that's why we're doing this, I pray that somehow miraculously, by his grace, God would shut us down and cause us to tank and do a nosedive in the dirt. Rather, if this is why we're doing this, and I'm going to read this scripture out of 2 Corinthians, and I pray that God would fuel us with his blessing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then the guys are going to come and sing a song, and we'll end. This is what the Apostle Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, I'm going to read it, and then we'll be done. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others but God has seized our hearts and we want to make it our life's mission to persuade and, and tell other people about Jesus. But what we are is known to God and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. In other words, we're informing you this in great detail today, not so that we can say, hey, look, our church is growing and we got to do a building we're doing this so that you can understand what our intention is so that we, so that people, so that those around you might come and hear about Jesus so that they would boast in God, not in us. Verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Listen to this, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Not comfort, not logistics, not convenience, not location, not ease, not facilities, not children's space. Not, the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. 
That's Jesus. Therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16, from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, there's no sinner and saint. There's no good people, bad people. There's no black people or white people. There's no upper middle class and lower middle class. There's, there's no this or that. We see everybody through the redemptive lens of the grace of Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. All this. This building for the past five years, this building, this ministry, what's going on in your life right now, what's going on in my life right now, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and listen to this tribe, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us so that we would reconcile people. He saved you, as Ephesians says, before eternity began. He knew you, he called you out. He opened up your ears and your heart to the gospel, not so that you could be a Bible Belt comfort Christian who, who hears sermons for the rest of your life and eats lunch after them, but so that through us, the Holy Spirit would press on us and break us and move us and spread us out and have this ministry of reconciliation. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us, cross point, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, Chattahoochee Valley, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. This is one of the most important verses in the Bible. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So why are we doing this? In fact, why must we do this? Because there's a guy right now whose marriage is in trouble, who's addicted to all manner of junk, who's sitting on his couch right now somewhere in Columbus or maybe around here, and he hasn't really had an adequate presentation of who Jesus is and God is raising up churches like us to be ministers of reconciliation for him why do we need to do this because in a couple years there's going to be thousands of military personnel that are coming here there's going to be young soldiers in our city and their marriages are going to be in shambles and they're going to be deployed three and four times and they're going to be under incredible stress and God is raising up churches like Crosspoint not to be comfortable and clickish, but to be broken and humbled and spread out. Why must we do this? Because there's, there's kids that are going to Columbus State and there's young families that are moving in to work for Aflac and Tesis and Stenovus and all other sorts of businesses and They need a group of people who are on mission for the gospel, not on mission for their comfort and their security. We need to do this because the only thing really worth doing, whether you are a banker or a baker, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or a teacher or a tax accountant or a preacher, or a salesman, or a student, or whatever you are. The only thing really worth doing in this life is giving your life away together with another group of people, the advance of the kingdom, and the glory of Jesus, and for your joy.
And that's why we must do this. Let's pray. Lord, as we conclude here in just a moment with a song, God, I, I am so humbled. That song we sang, How Great the Father's Love for Us. Lord, I just remember my early days in the faith and how you drew me to you. I was not looking for you, but you came for me. And at that time, when you were bringing me to yourself, I could not have imagined that you would plant me on the other side of the country and cause me to be born again and cause me to marry this beautiful girl and cause me to get out of the army and cause me to have a burden for the church. And God, I look back at how selfish and how driven by ego and pride and comfort and the praise of man that I have been in my life and yet in spite of that you have used me and although the circumstances are different that's pretty much the story of everybody in this room we are inward looking selfish people who want it our way but God you use messed up people you use as we read in Nehemiah last fall crazy jacked up rebellious selfish people for the advance of your great name. And God, every now and again, you give us a glimpse of the fact that we're part of something here that's far bigger than ourselves. And God, I pray that you would do that for us today, right now. God, would you give us a picture of this verse in 2 Corinthians that God, through us, you want to do something in our city, in our valley, in our counties, God. You, you never intended for your grace to dead end on us, but God, you made us to be rivers of living water, conduits of your grace and the message. And, and the beautiful thing is, is it's not about our ability, but about your grace through us. So in a strange sort of way, the more unqualified we are, the more glorious it is for you. And so God, if there's anybody in this room who doesn't feel like it, they're being lied to right now by Satan saying that they can't really be the type of person that's part of a redemptive, beautiful community like this because their life's jacked up or if they only knew, God erased that because Paul writes to the Colossians that you have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so God, would you strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And God, would you lift up our eyes and our hearts and our minds and would, Lord, would you roll up our sleeves and would you, would you prepare us? Would you cause us to lean forward in the foxhole and would you help us, God, to put our hearts on the table and push our chips in and say we are here to be the ambassadors of Christ that you've called us to be. God, would you make us uncomfortable? Would you push on us? Would you press on us? Would you break us? Would you, would you free us from our addiction to self and comfort and stuff? And would you be so gracious as to use this little redemptive project called Crosspoint for your glory and our joy? God, if there's anybody in this room, and I suspect that there is, anybody in this room who's not yet received your grace and been born again, God, would you right now, even as we haven't necessarily talked out of the scriptures, would you cause them to look and see that their only hope is in Christ, not in their own ability to do works, not in their trust fund or their 401k or their wisdom or their strength, but you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, would you cause, as First Peter says, 
somebody to be born again right now by the living and abiding word of God. And as we sing this song of praise and thanks to you, would you give us great and eager expectation for how you will break us and build us and use us for your glory and our joy. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.